This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Kirsten Ferreri, Los Angeles, California, August 2006. The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket by Edgar Allan Poe. Chapter 16. It had been Captain Guy's original intention, after satisfying himself about the auroras, to proceed through the Strait of Magellan, and up along the western coast of Patagonia. But information received at Tristan da Cunha induced him to steer to the southward, in the hope of falling in with some small islands said to lie about the parallel of sixty degrees south, longitude forty-one degrees twenty west. In the event of his not discovering these lands, he designed, should the season prove favorable, to push on toward the pole. Accordingly, on the 12th of December, we made sail in that direction. On the 18th, we found ourselves about the station indicated by glass, and cruised for three days in that neighborhood without finding any traces of the islands he had mentioned. On the 21st, the weather being unusually pleasant, we again made sail to the southward, with the resolution of penetrating in that course as far as possible. Before entering upon this portion of my narrative, it may be as well, for the information of those readers who have paid little attention to the progress of discovery in those regions, to give some brief account of the very few attempts at reaching the southern pole which have hitherto been made. That of Captain Cook was the first of which we have any distinct account. In 1772 he sailed to the south in the Resolution, accompanied by Lieutenant Furneaux in the adventure. In December he found himself as far as the fifty-eighth parallel of south latitude, and in longitude twenty-six degrees fifty-seven east. Here he met with narrow fields of ice, about eight or ten inches thick, and running northwest and southeast. This ice was in large cakes, and usually it was packed so closely that the vessel had great difficulty in forcing a passage. At this period Captain Cook supposed, from the vast number of birds to be seen, and from other indications, that he was in the near vicinity of land. He kept on to the southward, the weather being exceedingly cold, until he reached the sixty-fourth parallel, in longitude thirty-eight degrees fourteen east. Here he had mild weather, with gentle breezes for five days, the thermometer being at thirty-six. In January 1773 the vessels crossed the Antarctic Circle, but did not succeed in penetrating much further, for upon reaching latitude sixty-seven degrees fifteen they found all further progress impeded by an immense body of ice, extending all along the southern horizon as far as the eye could reach. This ice was of every variety, and some large flows of it, miles in extent, formed a compact mass rising eighteen or twenty feet above the water. It being late in the season, and no hope entertained of rounding these obstructions, Captain Cook now reluctantly turned to the northward. In the November following he renewed his search in the Antarctic. In latitude fifty-nine degrees forty he met with a strong current setting to the southward. In December, when the vessels were in latitude sixty-seven degrees thirty-one, longitude a hundred and forty-two degrees fifty-four west, the cold was excessive, with heavy gales and fog. Here also birds were abundant, the albatross, the penguin, and the petrel especially. In latitude seventy degrees twenty-three, some large islands of ice were encountered, and shortly afterward the clouds to the southward were observed to be of a snowy whiteness, indicating the vicinity of field ice. In latitude seventy-one degrees ten, longitude a hundred and six degrees fifty-four west, the navigators were stopped, as before, by an immense frozen expanse, which filled the whole area of the southern horizon. The northern edge of this expanse was ragged and broken, so firmly wedged together as to be utterly impassable, and extending about a mile to the southward. 
Behind it the frozen surface was comparatively smooth for some distance, until terminated in the extreme background by gigantic ranges of ice-mountains, the one towering above the other. Captain Cook concluded that this vast field reached the southern pole, or was joined to a continent. Mr. J. N. Reynolds, whose great exertions and perseverance have at length succeeded in getting set on foot a national expedition, partly for the purpose of exploring these regions, thus speaks of the attempt of the resolution. Quote, we are not surprised that Captain Cook was unable to go beyond seventy-one degrees ten, but we are astonished that he did attain that point on the meridian of one hundred and six degrees fifty-four west longitude. Palmer's land lies south of the Shetland, latitude sixty-four degrees, and tends to the southward and westward further than any navigator has yet penetrated. Cook was standing for this land when his progress was arrested by the ice, which we apprehend must always be the case in that point, and so early in the season as the 6th of January, and we should not be surprised if a portion of the icy mountains described was attached to the main body of Palmer's land, or to some other portions of land lying further to the southward and westward. In 1803, Captains Kreutzenstern and Lazowski were dispatched by Alexander of Russia for the purpose of circumnavigating the globe. In endeavouring to get south, they made no further than 59 degrees 58 in longitude 70 degrees 15 west. They here met with strong currents setting eastwardly. Whales were abundant, but they saw no ice. In regard to this voyage, Mr. Reynolds observes that if Kreutzenstern had arrived where he did earlier in the season, he must have encountered ice. It was March when he reached the latitude specified. The winds prevailing as they do from the southward and westward had carried the flows, aided by currents, into that icy region bounded on the north by Georgia, east by Sandwich Land and the South Orkneys, and west by the South Shetland Islands. In 1822, Captain James Waddell, of the British Navy, with two very small vessels, penetrated further to the south than any previous navigator, and this, too, without encountering extraordinary difficulties. He states that although he was frequently hemmed in by ice before reaching the seventy-second parallel, yet upon attaining it not a particle was to be discovered, and that upon arriving at the latitude of seventy-four degrees fifteen, no fields, and only three islands of ice, were visible. It is somewhat remarkable that, although vast flocks of birds were seen, and other usual indications of land, and although south of the Shetlands unknown coasts were observed from the masthead tending southwardly, Waddell discourages the idea of land existing in the polar regions of the south. On the 11th of January, 1823, Captain Benjamin Morrell, of the American schooner Wasp, sailed from Kerguelen's land with a view of penetrating as far south as possible. On the 1st of February he found himself in latitude 64 degrees 52 south, longitude 118 degrees 27 east. The following passage is extracted from his journal of that date. Quote, the wind soon freshened to an eleven-knot breeze, and we embraced this opportunity of making to the west, being, however, convinced that the further we went south beyond latitude sixty-four degrees, the less ice was to be apprehended, we steered a little to the southward until we crossed the Antarctic Circle, and were in latitude sixty-nine degrees fifteen east. In this latitude there was no field ice, and very few ice islands in sight. Under the date of March 14th I also find this entry. The sea was now entirely free of fieldites, and there were not more than a dozen ice islands in sight. At the same time the temperature of the air and water was at least thirteen degrees higher, more mild, than we had ever found it between the parallels of sixty and sixty-two south. We were now in latitude seventy degrees fourteen south, and the temperature of the air was forty-seven, and that of the water forty-four. 
In this situation I have found the variation to be 14 degrees 27 easterly, per azimuth. I have several times passed within the Antarctic Circle on different meridians, and have uniformly found the temperature both of the air and the water to become more and more mild the further I advanced beyond the sixty-fifth degree of south latitude, and that the variation decreases in the same proportion. While north of this latitude, say between sixty and sixty-five south, we frequently had great difficulty in finding a passage for the vessel between the immense and almost innumerable ice islands, some of which were from one to two miles in circumference, and more than five hundred feet above the surface of the water. Being nearly destitute of fuel and water, and without proper instruments, it being also late in the season, Captain Morrell was now obliged to put back, without attempting any further progress to the westward, although an entirely open sea lay before him. He expresses the opinion that, had not these overruling considerations obliged him to retreat, he could have penetrated, if not to the pole itself, at least to the eighty-fifth parallel. I have given his ideas respecting these matters somewhat at length, that the reader may have an opportunity of seeing how far they were borne out by my own subsequent experience. In 1831, Captain Briscoe, in the employ of the Messrs. Enderby, whale-ship owners of London, sailed in the brig Lively for the South Seas, accompanied by the cutter Tula. On the 28th of February, being in latitude 66 degrees 30 south, longitude 47 degrees 31 east, he decried land, and, quote, clearly discovered through the snow the black peaks of a range of mountains running east-south-east. He remained in this neighborhood during the whole of the following month, but was unable to approach the coast nearer than within ten leagues, owing to the boisterous state of the weather. Finding it impossible to make further discovery during this season, he returned northward to winter in Van Diemen's Land. In the beginning of 1832 he again proceeded southwardly, and on the 4th of February was seen to the southeast in latitude 67 degrees 15 longitude 69 degrees 29 west. This was soon found to be an island near the headland of the country he had first discovered. On the 21st of the month he succeeded in landing on the latter, and took possession of it in the name of William the Fourth, calling it Adelaide's Island, in honour of the English Queen. These particulars being made known to the Royal Geographical Society of London, the conclusion was drawn by that body, quote, that there is a continuous tract of land extending from 47 degrees 30 east to 69 degrees 29 west, longitude running the parallel of from 66 to 67 degrees south latitude. In respect of this conclusion, Mr. Reynolds observes, quote, In the correctness of it we by no means concur, nor do the discoveries of Briscoe warrant any such indifference. It was within these limits that Weddell proceeded south on a meridian to the east of Georgia, Sandwichland, and the South Orkney and Shetland Islands. My own experience will be found to testify most directly to the falsity of the conclusion arrived at by the Society. These are the principal attempts which have been made at penetrating to a high southern latitude, and it will now be seen that there remained, previous to the voyage of the Jane, nearly three hundred degrees of longitude in which the Antarctic Circle had not been crossed at all. Of course a wide field laid before us for discovery, and it was with feelings of most intense interest that I heard Captain Guy express his resolution of pushing boldly to the southward. End of chapter 16